0: Now to the latest internet sensation. Nine. We are... YOLO!
1: Eight. Can I say hi? Hi!
2: Seven. I think we need to stick to a plan.
1: Six. got slipping by bled.
3: I don't even think I have to react to that one. This is Triple M's Summer Breakfast. With Sepp Costello and Lawrence Marty.
4: Triple M. Went for a jog before the show this morning, Lawrence.
5: Well done, Seb Costello. How many K's? uh, Well, we don't need to kind of we don't need to rank how good it was. The fact that I got out there in mm, the
4: pre-dawn and got it done, I think, is enough and deserves its celebration.
5: Well done to you. Uh, you. Well, let's not go K's. What time? What? I was about about half an hour,
4: more or less. But I did something I've never ever done
5: before. What was that? On the run? Yes, indeed. Right? Didn't take headphones. Never run just a cappella of your own. No,
4: and I did it partly because I thought if I did run into trouble at 4.30 in the morning, Mm. you need to have all your senses about you. Absolutely. But no, usually I would have some sort of upbeat song about a person born in the projects of America at risk of socio-disadvantage, then rises to the top firstly through our legal activity, but lastly because of
5: his skill in rhyming. Are we talking about uh, In the Ghetto or Eye of the Tiger?
4: (laughs) No, more sort of, are you familiar with the work of Little Wayne? You know, oh, okay, that yeah. Of, that sort of vibe. I mean,
5: Lil Wayne. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh,
4: I knew you'd get there. Uh, but no, I, I actually found it a lot better. What do you do when you exercise? Uh,
5: I don't use headphones, yeah. so I just uh, I just push through, Rocky style. Mm. Was what was Rocky wearing headphones mm. when he went to the top of the stairs there? And no. What city was it? Philadelphia. Philadelphia, yeah. The
4: Natural History Museum. <laughs> yeah.
5: Uh, no, he wasn't. Was he wearing headphones in the fridge at the abattoir uh, at the meatworks where he worked? No, I don't think so. He didn't he, have the buds in.
4: Could he... Was the montage just for the sake of the viewers or was the music actually on in the gym when he was doing those training montages? That's
5: right. Life doesn't come with a soundtrack, Seb. mm it's just brutal. You sound so.
4: like an old football coach of mine. Says you're not <laughs> wearing headphones when you're out there, so why should you wear them when you train? Mm.
5: The interesting thing about uh, running on the road, if you've been to the gym and you've been on the treadmill, it's a real shock to the system when you've got to propel yourself forward. Oof. It's like, where's my belt? <laughs> where's my <laughs> yeah. belt taking up half of these cars? And
4: it's a bit harder on the joints too. There's a yeah. nice cushioning about the treadmill.
5: Absolutely. So mm. well done you. Mm. I had a weigh-in yesterday at the woodshed with Sam Wood. Oh, The, the Bachelor, bachelor. Yeah. yes, good. Two million views on that engagement ring so far. See, people are, are tragic romantics, aren't they? Two they million. love a happy ending, and uh, that is one. Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm down to eighty-eight kilos. I'm ready to. I'm ready to bring it but, on. N- bring on Christmas Day. Yeah. I will <laughs> eat every beast in sight. Is this what it was all about? No turkey is safe. Is this what it was all about, just loading and making sure that there was room come Christmas? Well, I think about maintaining and losing a little bit this time of year is the difficult thing. And so if you hit Christmas Day and you're in good shape, wow, you set it up for a good day.
4: The world is literally your oyster, given the seafood that is coming out.
5: Your oyster, your turkey, your pig, your donkey, whatever you want to lay your teeth into. (laughs) So there's a week, folks, uh, time to start trimming back for Christmas Day.
4: Yeah, very much so. You are going a toasted sandwich this morning,
5: though. Yeah, I am, as a little reward. As a little reward. <laughs> We're high. nine days out from can, Christmas. Can I... Not nine. Is it nine? Yeah, yeah I believe so. Yeah. Can I reward myself high for a little bit of a toasted sandwich? You should always reward yourself with yeah. a toasted sandwich. Jaffel. Jaffel, absolutely. Mm. Buttered inside and out. Go hamburger, Jaffel, cheeseburger? Um, I don't know. It sounds. Do you actually buy a hamburger and whack it in the jaffle. Well,
2: I don't do it, but they basically do that, yeah. All right.
5: Yeah. Wow. So many options out there.
2: And tell me this, Lawrence.
4: Why do you like perfume when it's indented on the Melbourne Renegade shirt of Danny Wyatt that you're sniffing after <laughs> she leaves, but you don't like it when I apply it to myself in the studio?
5: Well, working in a radio studio is a close <laughs> confine, like many workplaces, and I think there should be rules, uh, i.e. if you're eating something that has a particular piquancy or mm. like a dim sim Tuna Outside the house, uh, outside the, the workplace And uh, you mist, uh, when you when you apply <laughs> perfume, you don't do a little bit of a spray behind the ears or onto the wrists You actually create a mist and walk through that mist so you get full coverage And you've got a particularly, um, let's say, some high notes on your <laughs> fragrance It's a Ralph Lauren Polo, I believe. Well, it's look. That's just a standard. Usually, I go for
4: something a little bit more different. But yes, if uh, if it's just a standard smell, the Ralph Mm. Lauren blue is a tried and tested.
5: Yeah, and I think it's the journalist shower too, isn't it? It's like uh, you're feeling (laughs) because we're
4: muck raking all day, you know,
5: running around sewers, yeah, ambulance chasing, (laughs) just running through a mist of Ralph Lauren Polo. You think that uh, it's gonna. Absolve you of your sins. It's just that it becomes overpowering. Uh and I, I, I ask that you do it outside <laughs> place. It's like smoking. I don't think it's I passive after shaving. I'm breathing a lot of that in.
4: I get it's a confined space and mm. I wouldn't think that Royce Harting would be appropriate in the studio. No, absolutely not. But surely a bit of perfume is it was sort of far more attractive. Well,
5: it just becomes overwhelming, yeah. you know, uh, and, and dominates the, the scenario for a while. Mm. I think there's a neutral smell in here. It's not overly <laughs> male. Uh, <laughs> it's a good kind of like officey neutral smell.
4: Well, you come off the bike and you've all been exercising yeah, and I mean, everything. Yeah, I, I
5: would think that my, you know, uh, BO. personal hygiene is pretty good. I, uh, I'm i well deodorized. Come over here, man. I'll, I'll, you can walk <laughs> through a Ralph Lauren shower. You, you just want to sniff me, don't you?
4: <laughs> oh, there is York. one sniffer in this studio <laughs> and it's hyphen. Chris Gale rolled out yesterday by the Melbourne Renegades. And surely Melbourne oh,
5: Renegades. Well,
4: considering the state of West Indian cricket, you would think Chris Gale's response to this question, would you consider playing test cricket for the West Indies this summer, you would think that would be the headline. Here's how Chris Gale answered that,
0: by the way. You know, we just have to wait and see what will happen on boxing day. Um, I've got a white shirt if, if case I'm um, needed.
4: But forget all that, because there's one thing that's caught our eye about Chris mm. Gale this morning.
5: As uh, he adorns both the back of the Herald Sun and the age, I mean, he is Melbourne's biggest sporting news today, Chris Gale. Page 109 from the
4: great paper of Record, the Herald Sun, Ronnie Reid, legend of the sports writers' game, mm. details how Chris Gale's mansion in Jamaica boasts an in-house strip club and a hanky-panky bed.
5: Now, uh, there's probably a point of order being called by all of our listeners saying, well, a hanky-panky bed, is there any other kind? (laughs) Um, And let's just say to define a hanky-panky bed, I think we're going Austin Powers style. Yes. I think he's got a round bed. Mm. Which end do you sleep at? Well, there is no end. (laughs) And that's where the fun begins. Just find your spot on the bed. And hanky-panky in shoes.
4: I've gone to Chris Gale's Instagram page and he has posted have you? a photo. Should we? Well, <laughs> some of it's a little bit, if you've got kids in the car, just watch out. But he has posted a photo of the in-house strip club and he says, from the pool to the strip club, if you don't have a strip club at home, you ain't a cricket player. Mm. Hashtag life is for living.
5: And, uh... On his Instagram account, he's always surrounded by a lot of lovely ladies too. So he does enjoy female company as well as playing cricket. But the thing is, and we've been asking one another this morning, Seb, you know, what do you have in your man cave? Have you got a hanky-panky bed in a strip club (laughs) next to your lap pool? Or is it just a a nice collection of Star Wars memorabilia (laughs) in your Millennium Falcon-style man cave?
4: Well, uh, besides the combat sports, Lawrence, my great passion as a child that I always expected to grow out of but never did was Mm. professional wrestling. Ah. So I have my collection of pro wrestling stuff. So the folding chair from the global warning tour of the WW then F now WWE at Eddie Head Stadium back in 2005 that at the time set all sorts of records for the stadium in terms of attendance. Stone Cold didn't come. Main event was a triple threat between the Rock, Triple H and Brock Lesnar. But they let you, if you're in a certain section, you could take home the folding chair. So that was sort of my memento. What's in your man cave?
5: Uh, well, I'm a massive Tintin fan. So, uh, Tintin figurines, fantastic. Some people call them toys. My wife does sometimes disparagingly, but uh, yeah, a lot of Tintin memorabilia. A bit of snowy. i mean the boy journalist, you know, seeking out the story. I thought would have thought that the boy journalist might be a, a a fan or a big hero of yours, Seb. But well, uh, Snowy didn't. and Tintin, and of course Captain Barnacle, uh, Haddock, <laughs> Captain Barnacle, Captain Haddock, yes, <laughs> lovable Captain alcoholic. Barnicle. No, that he says blue barnacles all the time when he's oh, blind. Oh, okay. Yeah. What a, what a great influence for a child. Oh, look at that funny man. What's wrong with him? He's drunk. <laughs> he's oh, okay.
4: You don't want to end up like him. One triple three five three. what's in your man cave? And what puts it just on another level to the bloke next door? You can hit us up on Twitter. In fact, I would love some photos of the man caves of Melbourne mm. at MMM Hot Breakfast. Of course, Chris Judd has a man cave and invited the footy club in not so long ago.
0: It's the first time in cave history that we've had internet down here. We've had to get some boosters for the
2: night. Very exciting for the cave. Uh, other than that, we've got all the cave essentials. We've got the pool table,
5: the bar, footy awards, uh, and fridges for both beer and, uh, beer and wine. We've got the telly, which we can watch the races on as well. And, of course, essential to any man cave is the mandatory man cave rules at the entrance. Uh some of the, which on uh, Google include uh, no bitching at any time and talking about feelings earns a lifetime ban. <laughs> <laughs> David Werribee, what have you got in your man cave?
2: Being a married man, I'm not so elaborate as Chris Gale. I've only got hats and stubby holders.
6: <laughs> How many you got, Dave? Uh, around 500 stubby holders and 400 hats.
5: And where have you sourced the stubby holders from, Dave?
6: Um... I work for a spare parts company, so a lot of it's advertising from different manufacturers. Oh, yeah, freebies?
0: Yeah.
5: <laughs> and uh, also probably purloined here and there, I dare say. There's a stubby holder. I'll take that home for the collection. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. <laughs> That's magnificent, Dave. Good on you. Matty at Heelsville what's in
5: your man cave? Um, we
4: got a sport.
5: Oh, what is your sport?
6: It's chuggington. <laughs> Yes, go on it, Well, it's essentially a, a funnel that's fixed to the wall with a hose on it and uh, <laughs> You yeah, pretty much put as much beer or whatever we got in it And there we go But like, there's a leaderboard, there's rules there's, And just you know, take us right through now. the
4: rules sort of quickly, Matty How does chuggington work?
6: Um, you, you drop a beer, you got to chug too <laughs> But um, yeah, you do them consecutively Or you can have an interval to, to see how you get on the leaderboard and yeah
4: oh and, uh, and, and have you got a name for the arena in
5: which Chuggington is played
6: ah uh, Mansland
5: Mansland Mansland welcome sounds, to Mansland sounds like a utopia that I'd like to visit <laughs> Matt from heelsville
4: let's go to Kim at Ringwood and have you got a man cave detail to share with us Kim
1: yes my uh, stepdad had started off with a car just a normal playstation with a seat Mm. that eventually became a full car simulator in oh, the garage.
4: Right. So what's it based off? Is it based
5: off the PlayStation?
1: It, it's an onla- like, more like online racing.
5: And it's in an um, actual car.
1: Yeah. So it had awesome. hydraulics. The seats moved. Oh. It rocked. It had a wraparound um, projection screen around the front. Um, what, yeah.
5: what was his level of expertise to create such a wonder? Did you know? <laughs> he
1: used to race, like he used to race all sorts of um, like sprint cars, V eight
0: mm.
1: in his day, um, and he missed it so much that he started off with this little idea that's now been taken by a big company and they're mass producing them.
5: So that is the beauty of the man cave: the ingenuity and the creativity of man is let free. Thank you very much, Kim.
4: (laughs) I've also been reminded by Dave Parker on Twitter that the wrestling event I was referring to was 2002,
5: not 2005. Get it right. Fair fair go, Captain Barnacle. (laughs) Thank you very much, Captain (laughs) Haddock.
4: The relationship between myself and Lawrence Mooney has forever <laughs> changed. We'll talk about Lawrence Mooney and the incident a bit later this hour. But first, let's get serious because there have been some changes made to the way everybody leaves the MCG. It's been trialled during the big bash matches that are to come. And to explain it, the CEO of the MCC joins us on the line. Stephen Goff. Gough. Morning, Goffy.
0: Morning, Ted. So what's, what's actually morning.
4: different? What, do you, what have you done that's changed?
0: Well, I think the most uh, significant change is that uh, up on Wellington Parade, the super tram stop's been constructed uh, almost straight above Jollymont Station. So the main pedestrian traffic will flow north straight up through the park. So we've traditionally held vehicles back to try and separate the PEDs from the uh, cars, but we're going to be a bit more organised. We're going to throw a few more staff at it afterwards and segment the uh, parts of the park so we can get the safety up and also see if we can get the movement going.
5: There's a massive amount of uh, pedestrian traffic also heads south, across Brunton Avenue and yep. into Richmond Station. Um, I'm just wondering, Stephen, is this come as the result of an injury to a pedestrian or is it uh,
0: just an experiment that you're running? No, it's a little bit uh, with the change of the super stop up the other end. Where you're hmm. talking about down south has always been a high-risk area, as you say, people exit the ground and they just spill across Brunton Avenue. So we closed that for a period of time after the match to help police keep the cars away from the pedestrians as they head that way. So that'll still stay in place, but now the northern end because of this change in the pedestrian movement for the tram stop.
4: And I guess the key point here, Goffey, is by closing the gates 15 to 20 minutes longer than you used to, what impact do you think that's going to have on clearing the car park? How long after you know, the last wicket is taken or the last ball is bowled do you expect the car park to be empty?
0: Well, it's a great question, Seb. I wish I knew the answer. It varies <laughs> so much from game to game. And as you know, some of us might get the inclination to leave early if yeah. that thing's not going too well. So have got to factor that in. But uh, back to Lawrence's point, that, that intersection ten at Punt Road and Brunton Avenue is a real danger. We haven't had an incident. But police and ourselves remain very, very conscious of what could happen. So the more that we can just separate and get as many of the pedestrians out of the way before we start to move the cars, the better. And we are throwing some resources at this. one, some more people out there, helping direct people and see if we can make it as efficient as possible.
4: Last one before we let you go, Goffy. Could this happen in the AFL season? Could we have Anzac Day, the bombers and the pies, 100,000 people, car park full, will the same
0: rule apply? Well, if the trial goes well and uh, Cricket and us and Vic Rose and the police are happy, I think that uh, we're foreshadowed to the AFL we'd like to do it as well, but it's subject to the trial.
5: Well, it always feels like it takes forever to get out of the car park anyway, and you can listen to the rap of the match in the warmth of your car. Triple M rocking footy. Stephen Goff, the
4: CEO of the MCC. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Does a sensational job, Goffey. So just check that out. It's all about public transport, walking, avoiding the mm. cars on the way to sport this summer. And they beat us to it. Up in Sydney, they're going to host the first mm. ever college football game for competition in Australia. It hasn't been done for 30 years, and it is the University of California, Berkeley, the Cal Bears, playing the University of Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors, and a name that would be familiar to some as a former Brisbane Lion and Port Adelaide Power AFL player. He was also a very, very handy weapon for the University of Hawaii himself, and he joins us to talk about the game coming up on August 27th of next year. Good morning, Scott Harding.
2: Morning, boys. Mate, this is pretty
4: exciting uh, to have the two sides coming over. Do they bring all the pomp and circumstance with them, like the bands and the cheerleaders?
2: Yeah yeah it'll, it'll all be it'll all be there so it's uh yeah it's going to be exciting it's uh it's definitely a, a spectacle and something that you know the majority of Australians probably haven't had the chance to be able to see and and uh and experience so it's uh it's going to be a good time
5: to give uh, Australians who aren't familiar with college football but are NFL fans an idea of the scale of college football it's massive in America isn't it
2: Yeah it's huge it's um you know it's on every <laughs> it's on every day on every on almost every channel and it's um yeah, it's it's widely supported and uh you know it's just it's just a huge it's just a huge day for for American sport basically the Saturdays are based for basically just set it, set aside for college football so um you know wherever you are in the, in America the Saturday is basically dedicated to that to to whatever college you support so it's um it's it's a big it's it's a big deal yeah, mate,
4: you were a pretty handy punter for the University of Hawaii. I read that you were selected second-team All-American by the Football Writers Association of America in the punter's position. And you're also described at one point as the most interesting man in college football. What did they find about you that was so fascinating?
2: Uh, well, it, was, it was basically the fact that um, I played... I, I basically started at three different positions. So I, I started at... Um, obviously, I was, I was punting for for the team in, in my senior year. And then I also started as uh, the slot receiver and, and also did the punt return as well. So um, I was pretty busy throughout the game. So um, that kind of that threw off a lot of other teams.
4: And to the Rainbow Warriors, this is your alumni at the University of Hawaii, do they have their own Haka-style war dance before the game?
2: Yeah, that's right. So that's something that, you know, everyone gets to, gets to experience as well. So, yeah, we, we do have our own, our own version of the Haka. It's uh, uh, obviously similar to, to that of, you know, um, the All Blacks and, and some other teams, but it's it's, it's a little bit different. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that we bring and something that's different to any other team in the nation. So uh, that'll be, that'd be cool, cool to watch as well.
5: So, Scott, we've heard a lot this year about Jared Hayne and uh, he's tilted with the 49ers. Did you have a, a go at the big league or was it straight into college football and you were happy to be doing that when you got to the States?
2: Yeah, it was, it was, I, I basically wanted to go the, the college route. I kind of, I, I wanted to make sure i you know, I wanted to learn the game as much as much as I could, and yeah, um, you know, it gave me the best best opportunity to to learn it at a, at a, at, a, at a at a really good rate, um, and so I did that, and, and I did. I was able to you know learn the game in really good depths and whatever, and um, and at the same time, obviously, I get a you know a, a degree paid for as well, so um, it was a good option and and a good journey for me, and uh, you know, I still have the opportunity to to get in front of some NFL scouts, but um, you know, it's it's obviously it's an extremely tough gig, and mm. and and Jared was you know. It's done a great job to be able to um, you know, secure his spot and hopefully he gets another chance down the, down the track.
4: Yeah, fingers crossed, Well, You've had a glittering college career, mate. So congratulations on that. And I'm sure there'll be a fair few Victorians heading up to Sydney for the Cal Bears and the Rainbow Warriors next year, August 27. Scott Harding, thanks for joining us. Thanks, boys. It is 22-8. It'd be a good event, wouldn't it? Millions watching on telly,
5: promoting the country. If, uh, if I got the opportunity, I would certainly go along to it. I love uh, American football. And uh, this will have all the pomp and circumstance as well, I'm sure.
4: Leonardo DiCaprio, Lawrence, has made the papers today talking about a near-death
5: experience. Mm. And it sounds
4: Absolutely terrifying.
5: Because he went on a bit of an adventure and of course, you know, this time of year people are thinking about giving each other high adrenaline adventure activities for Christmas and this is one that people do. He was diving
4: in South Africa in a shark cage with the idea being you come up close and personal with the great whites but there's a cage between you and Mm. them so it's all kind of safe. And Leo talks about how to make it all the more hair racing, the people who run the tour throw a bit of tuna out around the cage mm. so the sharks are attracted to it and you get a closer look. Well, as they threw the tuna, a wave came crashing over, pushing the tuna up towards the lip of the cage. A great white has come at speed launched himself up into the air to grab a piece of tuna and has then fallen into the shark cage with Leonardo DiCaprio. That is horrific.
5: (laughs) So, oh my, that is, okay, so what happens next?
4: So I, this is Leo now. I sort of fell down to the bottom and tried to lie flat on the bottom of the cage. Meanwhile, the great white took about five or six snaps at arm's
5: length away from my head. Wow. Wow. And meanwhile, the South African tour operator on board the boat is saying, oh, dear me, that shouldn't have happened. I I thought I put the tuna far enough away from the cage, but it's gone into the cage. Are you okay, Leonardo? I'll tell you what, we're in big trouble here.
4: <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> Any right. Any
5: excuse for a South African accent.
4: <laughs> well said. And it is the question that will be debated until Boxing Day hits us, and that is what happens with Usman Kawasha and what happens with Sean Marsh. Ricky Ponting's got a pretty clear view. Oh,
2: I think Usman has to come straight back into the side, um, and unfortunately I think it's Sean that has to, to go back out.
4: Lawrence Mooney, to me, it's pretty harsh. You're looking at a man in short Marsh who went down to Hobart and made 182, mm. who along with Adam Vogue just knocked up the highest fourth wicket stand in history, and he's out the next test.
5: Well, I think that probably, to a certain extent, it's Academic who is in and out of the Australian side because whoever's in, <laughs> we are going to thrash the Windies because they are... Well, they're a bit of a rabble at the moment, uh, and they went out in two and a half days in a five-day test. So, um, but it means a lot to a player. Obviously, at the it end does. of your career, how many baggy greens you've got next to your name? But and- you know, like politics, you know, they carry you out in the end. So you can uh, choose to go, or you can choose to be carried out.
4: And far be it for me to question Ricky Ponting, who is one of the greatest cricket minds the world has ever produced. But it was Kowaja, it has been said by Mark Waugh that if he's fit, he definitely plays. Well, I saw him hobbling around an oval up there in Sydney at one of the Big Bash tune-up games, mm. and he did not look good at all.
5: And he, when he injured, uh, he, it was his hammy, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, he Hamstring knew straight him. away, and uh, there was a bit of heartbreak on his face because he obviously knew the extent of the injury and that it may be, you know, his summer.
4: Mm. But isn't that the classic case that you know? Unfortunately, if you do go out at injury and the team's playing well together, you keep the team together. And 182 together with Voges 269 would suggest that that lineup has found a bit of rhythm.
5: Yeah, and that uh, that it's kind of like there's no uh, logic to it, really. If uh, if you can't make 182 and stay in the team, what do you have to do?
4: It's got to be consistent. Mm. You know, that's that's just my call. But you know, I guess. The devil's advocate would say that Kawaja was picked at the start of the series. You know, he's part of the team He's made 174 in Brizzy And 121 in Perth So he's not exactly uh, in poor form himself
5: No, and if he's the better batsman Then you pick your best team
4: mm. Chris Gale, we talked about him before In his man cave We also mentioned how he's brought <laughs> oh, He was joking yesterday That he'd brought a white shirt And would be prepared to play on Boxing Day If required I don't think he was quite serious But he was laughing off any suggestion That he's given up test cricket completely
0: I <laughs> will <laughs> ask the renegades I'll play one match And then yeah I'll come back with a big bush. I haven't retired from the game So you know it's Test cricket is still On the agenda for sure
4: It'd be good to see The big man out there
5: mm. In the test whites For the West Indies uh, It would be And uh, it would be nice To hear more about His uh, his man cave uh, His, <laughs> his uh, In house Stripper <laughs> Pole And uh, his hanky panky bed we covered some serious issues
4: this morning, like changes to the MCG car park. We also talking before about man caves and Chris Gale, but mm. the morning changed forever at 25 to eight this morning with a moment that can only be referred to as the incident. And
5: it's changed everything like most incidents do. Mm. It's there's, a bit like the slap, yep. that book, you know, this is the moment. Well, there is the incident and there's, and there's the reaction to it and it's often the reaction to it, the... Uh, the, the the blowback, if you will, um, people's preconceived ideas of what Lawrence, should and shouldn't happen. you
4: keep trying to position this as something that we've shared together. This was all you. I feel like a victim in this. It
5: was all you. But I feel like the victim because I'm being humiliated <laughs> and also now I'm being victimized.
4: You deserve to be humiliated after the incident.
5: And if I may
4: start by saying this was on a day where you were reminding me mm. just how important it is to behave appropriately in confined spaces.
5: Working in a radio studio is a close <laughs> confine, like many workplaces, and I think there should be rules. And uh, you mist, uh, when you, when you <laughs> apply perfume, you don't do a little bit of a spray behind the ears <laughs> or onto the wrists. You actually create a mist and walk through that mist so you get full coverage. It's just that it becomes overpowering. I, I ask that you do it outside, <laughs> please. It's like smoking. I, I don't think... It's I passive aftershaving. I'm breathing a lot of that in.
4: Do and as I, think it was I a, do, Lawrence Mooney, not as I say. Well,
5: it was... I think it was a, a point well made, but then it did come back... <laughs> To haunt me.
4: (laughs) So I decided to do a bit of a set of push-ups because I'm on the new health regime.
5: And I was counting you in. You were very
4: kindly counting them out. It was, what, about 150, (laughs) 160, somewhere And then I decided
5: to show you uh, an exercise that The Bachelor, Sam Wood, showed me. Inchworms, where you go down into a squat position, crawl your hands forward into a push-up, do a push-up, and then you extend, (laughs) so it becomes like a plank, and so you really engage the core, And this is where the incident happened.
4: I tell you what, the studio is full. I'm here just metres from you, really impressed at how my co-host is fit. The hyphens here, our producer, Sarah Fayor is in the studio. And as you stretch out into a plank-like position...
5: I'm vulnerable. I'm engaging the core. (laughs) Anything can happen. You Royce-hearted in the studio. I did. You broke the the golden
4: rule of breaking wind. If only the microphone's alive, but a current affair style, I have a reenactment. Here's Lawrence's butt as he stretched out into a plank like this.
5: Yeah. That was what it was. You referred to it as deep. I've got to say, the childish <laughs> was excitement deep. that ensued uh, was, was really thrilling. You, you screamed, <laughs> you danced, you punched the air uh, with uh, both uh, fists, uh, 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 and then you jumped over my still outstretched body and headed for the door, screaming, oh my God, <laughs> this is fabulous. This is the best thing ever. <laughs> that is an absolutely
4: fabricated <laughs> quote by you. That is not. And again, don't bring me into this. You were the one who both dealt, who smelt, who felt the need to Royce Hart in the studio. Now, let
5: me say this to you, that farting at work is still one of the great, <laughs> greatest stigmatised acts in the workplace. Oh, I'm reading a study. So
4: this is a human
5: rights issue now, well, is it? What I'm saying is that involuntarily, uh, people let one rip occasionally. Lawrence. Sometimes they crop dust, they walk around <laughs> other areas, they might head off into sales or the newsroom. Or alternatively, they go to the lift where there's a bit of solitude. Sometimes, involuntarily, you do it in front of others. You'd expect they might understand and cut you some slack. Oh. Not celebrate like your team just won the the premiership.
4: But you were presenting your very own version of the Force Awakens a few minutes ago, and I did not enjoy it. But Hive uh, just one more time the current affair reenactment.
5: Um, yeah, so I'm. I immediately I felt so that was embarrassed. A Actually, Sarah Faye, who are our producers, talked me through it. She said, it's okay. Uh, it's okay. But you're outside punching the glass by that stage. Mate. So it happens in the workplace. Sometimes we just humiliate ourselves involuntarily, especially this time of year at a maybe a celebratory lunch. You might go a step too far. So what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever done in the workplace?
4: After Lawrence dropped his guts in my presence in the the studio after complaining about me using perfume in combined spaces. (laughs) Extraordinary. We are talking about the incident. December the 16th. (laughs) 7.35.
5: 7.35. Lawrence Mooney did this. I was doing the inchworm. Uh, It wasn't that bad, actually, I've got to say, but uh, let's not discuss it at length. It was just a humiliating experience for me. I'm now being subject to workplace bullying. Uh, it's really affecting my enjoyment in what, the house. Big what about brother?
4: the occupational sa- health and safety hazard to my nostrils, <laughs> Lawrence Mooney, as a result of breathing in your filth at Mount Evelyn, John? What's the most embarrassing thing that's happened at work to you? Uh,
0: jumping up and up onto the truck, rip the uh, stubbies from front to back, oh, <laughs> I like three boxes, showing. Had to make another sort of half a dozen
5: deliveries before I could get to a workwear place and buy some insurance. Right, so you just not a simple rip there, you've ripped the whole right underneath.
1: All the way,
4: front to back. Happens wow. to the best of us, John. Happened to me last week. Had to do a live cross outside the Melbourne Magistrates Court with a bit of a blowout.
5: Mm, with the CFMEU streaming <laughs> behind you.
4: Yeah. I think they took pity on me because <laughs> clearly I couldn't afford pants that had sewed up at the back. Let's go to Todd at Lara. Toddy, what's the most embarrassing thing that's happened to you at work?
0: Uh, Mate, I was uh, working as a panel beater a few years back, and I was welding underneath a car, Mm. and a uh, molten metal fell on my bollocks. Oh! Mm. Uh, Yes. I had to drop pants right in the middle of the workshop, chuck my
2: bits underneath cold running water so I was running
5: around for
6: about 20 minutes Were there any lasting
4: oh. effects
5: of this injury, Toddy? Oh I, I have an inch long scar
2: across my back.
5: Did the uh, first aid officer <laughs> refuse to apply cream to the affected area?
2: Uh, well, yeah
4: <laughs>
5: So glad he said scar Oh, Toddy, that sounds very painful. That, that is awesome, Todd.
4: Oh, to Ricky at Thornbury, the most embarrassing thing that's happened at work
2: uh, I had a few mates around for, um, for some drinks one night and um, I, th- I think somehow we ended up with, a, um, with a, a free sample of a pad from one of these magazines and I've gone to sit on the couch and he's slid it under me with the sticky side up, obviously without me realising. So I've gone to bed that night, um, taken my Dax off, put the same Dax back on for work the next day um, and I've gone peak hour train ride into the city um, up the elevator, all the, all the while with a um, with a pad stuck to my ass.
4: Oh, I'm guessing oh, this really wasn't like a mouse pad, Ricky.
2: No, no, it wasn't. No. no, it was it was a whopper of a uh, sanitary napkin. Oh so. wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took me until about eleven thirty to realise. Were there
4: any good nicknames born of this day? You know what? No one mentioned it. Oh. No one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, terrific. A train.
5: Uh, how humiliating.
4: A whopper of a sanitary napkin
5: <laughs> 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 stuck to your dairy
4: air. I refer to our traffic expert, Jimmy Wertonham, who tells us, Lawrence, that mm. on the Monash outbound at Burke Road, there is a chicken who is causing problems with the
5: traffic. Yes, there's a chicken on the run, and it does beg the question <laughs> why did the chicken cross the freeway? Um,. And the answer, it appears, is to try and get to a VMAX to watch Star Wars The Force Awakens. Uh, the chicken is dressed as a Jedi Knight uh, and is trying to pull down some chickens to...
4: Just because we can't get further details off Jimmy <laughs> it doesn't mean we just make up the story.
5: Well... <laughs> Well, we're just answering that age old question why did the chicken cross the freeway? Mm. It's near the Burke Road exit. Outbound. Maybe to go uh, Christmas shopping in Burke Road (laughs) Campbell, beat the rush. Getting down to the Rivoli to see The Force Awakens in Gold (laughs) Class. Yeah. Um, Or maybe to take a run. Uh, from any butcher or food providor <laughs> this time of year.
4: If you can shed any light on the chicken and answer that question for If you've for seen the us, chicken. one Give us a call. Sarah and David are here awaiting your calls or hit us up on Twitter at MMM <laughs>
5: <laughs> Breakfast. <laughs> That's my chicken impersonation.
4: It's better than the noise you were making a little earlier in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> ben, have you got a chicken sighting? Yeah, mate. It's uh, just past Two Rack Road. In the
6: middle of the road on the uh next to the concrete dividers.
5: Alive or dead, Ben? Uh it's alive. It didn't um didn't look too uh, happy. But And yeah. this
4: is on the Monash, Benny, as you pass Turak Road?
5: Nah, it was just it's in the um on the concrete pillar. So it's right next to that outbound, so it's um, it's not causing any havoc. So it's roosting for a moment. Maybe it is the same uh, chicken that was uh, on the Burke Street, uh, the Burke Road exit. But Benny, yeah. has it got an
4: e tag? Oh, not that I could
3: see, mate. Not that I could see.
4: Transurban will be all over that, Benny. One triple three five three. Give us a call if you can see the chicken. Our traffic man, Jimmy Wharton, has just given us a few more notes. Vic Roads incident response crews mm. have cornered the chicken.
5: They've cornered it
4: on the Monash Freeway outbound near Burke Road. He has been corralled into the corner near the barrier. Currently, the Vic Roads incident response officers is waiting for backup to arrive with a cage before attempting to apprehend said chicken.
5: Like a scene from Rocky Three, <laughs> the uh, Vic Roads response unit is out there chasing <laughs> the chicken.
4: Well, it was dirty dancing. Don't put chicken in a corner without a cage. Time for this. The stories you'll read
3: about, the stories you'll talk about, the stories you'll watch start here on Triple M's Hot Breakfast. This is The Rule world, the world
4: with Andrew Rule. Associate Editor of The Herald Sun, Andrew Rule, joins us just 24 hours after 18 people were arrested in dawn raids targeting the Finks Outlaw Motorcycle Gang and looking at properties all around the state. Ruler, this was obviously a big operation.
3: Big operation. I believe, Sebby, that there were 20 properties, uh, not just in Victoria, but some on the Gold Coast, which is interesting because the Gold Coast, of course, is a festering sore on the underbelly of, of the Australian um, crime scene because a lot of bad stuff happens there. Uh, the Finks, of course, were prominent in the ballroom blitz of 2006 when Bikies had a pitched. Lawrence, an an, uh, all-in battle, Mm. and one of those On the Goldie. On the Goldie at Mm. a kickboxing tournament. And uh, one of those injured that night was then a Fink, who actually Finked on the Finks and became a Hells Angel later, and his name was Christopher Wayne Hudson, who, of Mm. course, uh, survived that incident, sadly, came to Melbourne and murdered uh, people in cold blood in Mm. the uh, so-called
5: CBD... Shooting. Yes, murdered uh, Brendan Keeler, father of three, and uh, he's a man that deserves to be honoured, uh, whilst Christopher Hudson spends a lot of time in jail. Um, where do the Finks rank on the bikey league? Number one, I guess we've got the Angels, the Banditos, Comancheros yeah. in there. Where are the, where are the Finks Well,
3: now? Uh, it's a fluid situation because they're, right. always, they're always fighting for, um, you know, they, they, they badge over, patch over mm. other groups and then they claw them back, and of course some of this uh, nastiness in the last few days uh, is because the police, who are very wise people, put a bug inside the Finks uh, club room out there at Ringwood and overheard uh, plans to kidnap um, a former member of the Finks, a bloke who rejoices in the name Tommy Escort. We won't speculate on why he's called Tommy Escort, Mm -hmm.
5: but um, because he's... He might have a little four-cylinder Ford. It could could be it,
3: it could be it. It'd be nothing to do with, you know, being an escort or anything like that. Mm. So um, Tommy apparently fell out with the Finks. Uh, He might have finked on the Finks too, because they decided they would kidnap him, take him to the bush and do something terrible to him. But the police apprehended them um, before they did it. Uh, And this is all about, you know, the rivalries between gangs. And
5: And this um, came to light. Just going From to yest- uh, yesterday's just, uh, rage. Just going to
3: light. Uh, that's what sparks some of the rage. Are
5: right? there other charges,
3: weapons, drugs, oh, charges? Oh, mate, they, these fellas are very big on um, making weapons. If they can import some parts or mm. uh, then they can make up the others using uh, uh, tool-making equipment, and many of them are very good at it. Right. And um, a lot of bikies are sort of uh, good tradesmen and that sort of thing who can very keen on making weapons
4: resourceful people one of my early jobs as a tv journo was the finx run which hundreds of motorcyclists pour out of a clubhouse i think this one was in port melbourne and they went up to glen rowan in the bp and the yeah. stupid things you do as a young journo i decided to walk into the mcdonald's at the bp there and it was like a scene out of mad max yes. the restaurant had cleared out and the only people inside the restaurant were wearing white and black finks, bikey vests everywhere, hanging off the rafters, sitting on the counter and all talking to each other. It was a bit of a take-me-to-your-leader situation as, you know, all (laughs) eyes come on you as you walk through the door, and I couldn't get out of there quick enough. That sounds like
5: more of a scene from Dumb and Dumber where (laughs) Jim Carrey starts insulting men way outside his weight range.
4: (laughs) We want to come back with Andrew Rule, the associate editor of The Herald Sun, the Marsavukatin trial that's going on at the moment has shocked a lot of people and we'll get some more detail on that and the Massavukatic situation Andrew in March of last year she was killed in a park in Doncaster currently Sean Christian Price is facing a Melbourne court over her death and some of the details and some of the things that he has told the court have really sent shockwaves through town terrible
3: thing Um, just in recent years the three things that I've found most gruelling to cover with this case, um, Rosie Batty and the yeah. death of her son, and Jill Ma. And um, this is a terrible thing. It's proof. Uh, this fellow, I think he's descended from the Pitcairn Islanders, which, of course, are proof, as we've found out in recent years, that if you mix up pirates, mutineers, and uh, cannibals, and mm-hmm. then they become inbred, they're not a terribly good lot, some of them. and um, Some of them. Because, of course, there was a long running trial out there where they found out that virtually every um, female on the island had been tampered with by the men on the place. So it's not the best um, breeding ground for reasonable people. And I think our friend, Sean Christian Price, descendant of Fletcher Christian, um, fits into that category.
5: One of the most uh, disturbing things about this is the, him talking about his insatiable desire to murder. He was released from prison on October the 7th, 2014. And, uh, it was found that he was extremely high risk of violence and sexual offending in the medium to long term. So it beggars belief that you would release someone and have that written on their file.
3: I am not a parole board or police kicker. It's easy to blame parole boards. But in this case, you would say this man is just dangerous. He's not just you know a killer. You might murder somebody and in 30 years, you're probably OK. But this guy is a, is a weird... Violent sexual deviant He's not yep. going to change No
5: he's not and, uh, and he hadn't changed And they knew he hadn't changed
4: And the trial continues And it'll be one We're watching very very closely at court
5: Let's talk about some weapons charges now And uh, some high crime A four day trial is set To start in April next year To try Amber Heard Over her importation <laughs> of pistol and boo Where uh, does it sit on the underbelly of Australian crime? <laughs> it's
3: Well, I've been talking to Barnaby Joyce, and he said it's very high, Mm. uh, right at the top. uh, Dangerous dogs.
4: All the celebrities have heard about it, though. When I interviewed Ronda Rousey a couple of weeks ago, she didn't bring her Argentinian Mastiff Mochi Mm, because she had heard what had happened to Johnny Depp. Yes.
3: uh, to be fair to Barnaby, there is a law
5: there for a very good reason, mm. and,
3: and the, re- the reason is rabies, yep. and we just don't bring in – you can't bring in chooks to this country.
5: That's right. And that, that, uh, that we true. don't have exotic uh, agricultural diseases to protect our primary industries, and very good too. But the pistol and boo affair is going to come to a bloody end on <laughs> April the 18th next <laughs> it's, year. It's a big one.
4: <laughs> Ruler,
3: thank you for joining us. Uh, I won't tell you my Fink story, because I'll save it for another day. Ooh. Yes. I met forward. a Fink in 1975, Gosh. and he told me a piece of wisdom, which we'll pass on another day.
4: Ten years after episode three, Star Wars, back tonight at midnight, Lawrence.
5: The Force Awakens tonight, and one man that will be there, he's got a big program ahead of him, he is the host of a great podcast. I love Green Guide Letters and, of course, Steel Wars. It is, in fact, Steel Saunders. Good morning. Morning.
6: Good morning, you guys. You might be misusing the word man there a little bit, Warren, (laughs) for uh, a, a young boy that's very keen to see his movie tonight.
4: Now, tell us about it, Steel. It's J.J. Abrams. This is the man that rebooted Star Trek. He created Lost, the TV show, and now he's given Star Wars the going over.
6: Well, he originally was offered the role as director, and he knocked it back. He wasn't ready for the responsibility, but uh, mm. both George Lucas and Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilm, uh, got him to do it with the question, who is Luke Skywalker? And that sort of question churned his mind, and uh, last night, to the world, he released the new Star Wars film, and I've been staying off the internet, but... What glimpses I have seen is uh, people are pretty excited. I saw Patton Oswalt, comedian, uh, comment that JJ did it.
5: Yes. And the vibe that's a
6: positive if.
5: The vibe is pretty positive. Just run us through the program that you have got set up for yourself because uh, we're going to speak to you tomorrow morning once you've seen it out at Knox. But then run us through your day right up until Saturday.
6: (laughs) Well, I've got a, a fair bit of press stuff to do today, Mm -hmm. and then I'll be going to the Disney premiere today at 6pm. They've got a bit of a pre-party on, and at 7 when everyone goes into the film, I'll be leaving, because I don't want to see the film with a bunch of uh, Australian Idol contestants and people (laughs) from the block. (laughs) I'll be holding out to get to Knox Cinema at 12.01 for 800 screaming fans, some of which have travelled from... Two guys actually drove down from Queensland, so I hope they're okay, and people have actually come from LA, some other podcasters are joining us, and at 12.01, we'll see the movie, and -hmm. then we'll come out at about 2.15, and then we'll go directly into the giant Irish bar next door, (laughs) and we're doing a sold-out live podcast reaction to 300 fans that will go to about quarter to five.
5: And uh, that's your podcast, Steel Wars?
6: Yeah, so that's the Steel Wars podcast. So we're trying to get the fir- the world's first podcast reaction up, uh, and that will be up at about seven p seven a.m. tomorrow morning.
4: Fantastic, and I hope by that stage it is an Irish cantina rather than Irish bar. Well, we have requested a blue milk
6: cocktail. Good. So I look forward to. Uh, that up in your studio tomorrow morning.
4: Magnificent. <laughs> hey, one thing I did want to ask you, I, for some reason it had passed me by that Lawrence Kasdan, who of course wrote Empire Strikes Back, Raiders of the Lost Ark with George Lucas as well, that he was actually involved on the writing here. Has he had a, a big input, do we know? Yes. Well,
6: all the Lawrences in my life have a way with words.
5: Mm, thank you. <laughs>
6: and Lawrence, of course, worked on Empire and, and Jedi, and he's a great uh, script writer mm. for Han Solo. And... Tim and JJ Abrams sort of spent a month just walking around Santa Monica with an iPhone recording ideas and their principal sort of guidelines was what will what delights us
5: yes what delights us and what will delight you on Saturday is taking your longtime fiance Jack's hand in marriage and uh, you asked Harrison Ford for some advice on love tell us what happened there
6: well inside our rings we, we we are big Star Wars fans. The wedding, the one Star Wars reference are these rings, which inside we got inscribed the famous quote from Empire Strikes Back, which Harrison Ford improv on set. Princess Leia says, I love you. Harrison Ford replies, I know. I know. They're one of the coolest romantic things of all time. And we had a debate on the podcast, which one of us should have the I love you, which one should have the I know. And I had the opportunity to interview Harrison on the red carpet So I had to have the man himself declare which one and he told me with his beautiful blue eyes that he's been (laughs) married for quite a long time and he put his arm on my shoulder and said, pal, you're getting the I love you.
4: Hey, well, that is fantastic. From the man himself, Steel Saunders. you're our man tonight. So soak up every minute of it and we'll get your review on the hot breakfast tomorrow morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. May the fourth be with you. And with you. And also, it's a bit of a responsive prayer, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's taking me back to St. Columns Hawthorne and the Anglican Church.
5: <laughs> I'll see you in the morning. Indeed. Looking forward to hearing Steele's review. Have a great day, everybody. Triple M. From
4: the-